Welcome to the Solutions Insider Podcast, brought to you by NCHA Strategic Partners. We have Steve Lawler joining us today. He is the president and CEO of the North Carolina Healthcare Association. So Steve, I just want you to start us off today by telling us about your professional background, how long you've been with the North Carolina Healthcare Association, also known as the NCHA. That's right. Well, I have been uh, with the North Carolina Healthcare Association for for five years. This is my fifth year. And prior to that, I had uh, almost a 40-year career uh, as a healthcare administrator in the military, as well as a healthcare administrator in, in Eastern North Carolina. So Throughout uh, throughout my tenure, I've had the privilege of uh, um, you know leading uh, hospitals and health systems. I've spent most of my time in you know small and, and rural communities. I helped uh, build a health system in eastern North Carolina that takes care of the third of the state, uh, primarily um, you know taking care of uh, a part of the state that uh, is uh, um, underserved and uh, you know needs good health care. And, you know, I've just been fortunate throughout my career, you know, to be a generalist. So I've had uh, the chance to do lots of different things from integrating physician practices into a health system to, to being a vice president for managed care, to running a small community hospital, I've run a thousand bed medical center, and every job was great. Every job was different, uh, but, you know, the singular factor that was the same was that our focus was to take care of people. So um, just, uh, you know, 40 years of, uh, you know, working with uh, people and individuals to help them reach their potential and better care for folks. So I want you to tell us something about yourself that we might not find on your resume or CV. What would that maybe be? Wow. Uh, so I have jumped out of planes when I was uh, an Army officer. Uh, also lived in uh, lived in Panama. So. Uh, that was uh, interesting and got to help coordinate and, uh, and integrate, uh, you know, healthcare throughout Central and South America, at least from a DOD perspective and, uh, you know, supporting some of the United Nations, nation building activity. That's very important stuff. And anything else you love to do or that we should know about, about your background before I jump into some questions here? Yeah, I would say I, I just come from a family of folks that are involved in service one way or another. Uh, my mother was a nurse. Both my parents uh, are teachers. Um, I've got uh, a brother that's a teacher, a sister that's a teacher, and another brother that's a physician. So, you know, we grew up in a family where, you know, being part of a community and serving others was important. And I'm grateful that, uh, you know, my parents set an example so I could follow. And tell us about how NCHA works towards its goal of you know, supporting the healthcare community. Sure. Um, well, the association is is just that. It's an association. So, you know, we're um, a membership organization that involves every hospital in the states. We have 130 members, and we work together as a collaborator. We work together as a convener uh, with the intent of identifying issues that are important to, to membership from a policy perspective, 
and trying to shape those and then work with our elected officials to get those through. And typically those policies are uh, intended to help our members um, provide better care, make it easier for them to provide care. You know, we also have uh, one of the largest uh, health association foundations in the country. And, you know, they're involved in everything from um, being an incubator for good ideas um, to being a resource for best practice. You know, we also have a, an amazing uh, a program for um, mentorship, focusing on young leaders of color. So we've got a mentorship program throughout the state. Uh, that matches healthcare executives that have had great careers and great experience, and they have a interest in giving something back, and we're connecting them with a, a young leader of color to, you know, just uh, provide some additional experience and provide uh, just a an advocate and a supporter for them as as they go through. And then finally, uh, we have uh, a shared services company. So. It's a corporation that offers a portfolio of services by working with vendors and leaders in the healthcare supply and support space. And then we offer that to, to our members to provide value for them. So it's, a, you know, it's an interesting, complex uh, business with a few moving parts, but um, with the purpose of serving our members and helping them provide better care for their people and communities. And loyal listeners of this podcast will will know that we're all about starting conversations that can better equip people to both receive and deliver the best healthcare experience. So I want to get your thoughts on how healthcare executives can improve that experience for patients. What do you think about that? Well, that's a great that's a great question. Yeah, you know, even though it's kind of an old management theory, uh, I, I'm a big advocate and believer of management by walking around. So I think that making a commitment to being visible, not only for your staff, because it shows them that their work's important and you can ask them how you can help, but as part of that uh, effort to be visible, it enables you to be intentional in connecting to family and patients. You have to be brave enough to go into a family waiting room and, and have a conversation with families about how are we doing? How is, how is your loved one being cared for? or going into a patient's room and talk to them. One of the things that I think is invaluable for young leaders is, you know, find a, a nurse manager or a floor nurse or a physician and go make rounds with them. Because what that does is that allows us to connect our work, albeit behind the scenes and trying to run these big complex organizations. It, it helps keep us grounded and it helps reminds us of, you know, why we're doing it. So I think be visible, um, be courageous in regards to uh, making rounds, but being intentional in, in regards to, you know, why you're doing that. And if you're, if you're doing it well, you're going you're gonna to leave with some homework assignments and then you have to follow up and then just circle back with the folks that gave you all those good ideas um, with the spirit and the intent of just making things better. Being in the position that you're in, you get to work with a lot of influential healthcare leaders. Uh, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are also curious, if there are some themes that you've picked up on among what some of those priorities of those healthcare leaders are. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, a good way to think about that question is if I were talking to healthcare leaders, what's keeping them up at night? 
And I think the things that healthcare leaders worry about um, and think about, uh, and, and some of it differs between urban and rural and, and large and complex and small, I think first and foremost, it's about staff. Um, how do we support people to do their work so we're able to provide the best and safest care for patients? And that's become more, more you know, much more challenging throughout the pandemic, just because the pure volume of people that we're taking care of um, has put an incredible stress on our staff. And then the fact that we've been going nonstop for now going on three years, um, another indicator. So I think folks worry about people. Um, they worry about their folks and uh, they are you know, concerned about uh, the future, but that requires them to act. And again, that, you know, that visible um, leadership is important. And I'm proud of the leaders in North Carolina. I've got, I know of executives today that are doing um, housekeeping shifts or they're working in the cafeteria. So it's that visible leadership, I think, that matters. I think the second piece that folks worry about is, you know, over, over the years, at least in North Carolina, you know, the, the amount of support that we've received financially, you know, decreased. And, you know, right now, and, and some of this is, is pandemic related, about half of the hospitals in North Carolina are losing money. And a lot of that has to do with the pandemic and just the fact that we've had to change our business models to keep people in community safe. And we've uh, had to step up and and fill public health gaps. Uh, and that's been expensive as well. So folks worry about, you know, how can we continue to run this really complex business uh, and help us continue to be relevant, um, even in these incredibly uh, um, stressful times? Uh, and then finally, we worry about our patients. At, at the end of the day, um, we are just incredibly focused on reducing events with harm, reducing infections. It's just making, you know, our places the safest places to be. And that's for everyone. So not only are we working on, um, uh, you know, enhancing quality and patient safety and experience, we're, we're also focusing on what does that mean for people that are marginalized or less fortunate or, or patients that are brown and black. And um, so we're really kind of um, digging into that and thinking differently about what good performance looks like. And I'm proud to say that our board at the association has, uh, has asked us as an association to uh, work with our membership to include um, equity of care indicators as part of their quality and patient safety dashboards going forward. And just by paying attention to it and measuring it, um, you're bound to make it better. What are some of the most profound changes you've witnessed in healthcare since you began working with the North Carolina Healthcare Association? And again, I know our conversation today, we're talking a lot about North Carolina, but I think that much of what goes on in the state of North Carolina applies to a lot of what's going on nationally. And these these trends are, are very similar to each other. So just wanted to get what yeah. you think about that. Yeah, so I, I think the most significant trend that, that's um, taking place in healthcare, and, and I think it's a good thing. It's different, um, and it's forcing us to to think and be differently, uh, or act differently. 
is this idea that, uh, you know, that our influence and ability to, to care for a community um, is far greater than the four walls of a traditional hospital, that we have an opportunity to shape the health of a community by being much more engaged in what's happening in people's lives outside the hospital or even outside a, a, a clinical space. So we are um, we have many members that are involved in thinking about um, food as medicine, that we're trying to tackle um, food insecurities because we know that impacts people's health. Or we're setting up you know, telehealth or virtual health in rural communities so they have access to specialty physicians and they don't have to drive just because transportation is a challenge. We've got members in Charlotte that are working with other partners to tackle affordable housing. Um, and, you know, we have members that, uh, that are working to engage, you know, young men and women in, in middle school or grade school to get them interested in a career in healthcare because we know we need more people. And then we know that a social determinant of health is employment status. So, you know, working with, uh, you know, underserved communities to get them interested in healthcare and find a pathway to, uh, you know, through education, have a great job and stay in your community and be a difference maker. Um, all of that is kind of part of that, that thinking that, uh, um, you know, we, you know, we can be influencers and we can make an investment outside the hospital that keep people well, uh, improve you know, their health status and allow them to reach their, their health goals. Um, and I think that's been um, pretty important and pretty impactful. I'm proud of the work that folks are doing. It's pretty amazing. Now, we all like to learn from other people's mistakes. That's the ideal situation. So I'm sure our listeners will be curious, given what you've seen out there, um, is there any mistakes or missed opportunities that you're seeing um, that that you think others could learn from, right? I mean, I've I, I've made plenty of mistakes in my career, so you know, I think first and foremost, I think the takeaway from that is, you know, is to be you know is to be courageous, you know, to you know to try different things and be willing to fail. I think we have a lot of folks that are so afraid of failing that the the good ideas that they have or the good plans that they could put into place are sometimes uh, not brought to fruition because folks are afraid that they're going to make a mistake, and, and especially young careerists. I mean, we're all working hard as a young careerist to do all the right things, get noticed, and get promoted. Um, so I'd say be courageous. I, I've, um, uh, I've been a key executive on some business uh, ventures and investments that seem like the right idea. I mean, they seem like it makes sense, made sense in the market, and um, it was going to, you know, create value for people and communities. And, it, you know, we underestimated, um, you know, influence of insurance companies on insurance brokers, or we underestimated the speed of interest of physicians to integrate. And this was well before now it's like the rage. But back then it was uh, something different. Um, and they just didn't work out. And they were, you know, fairly significant investments by, you know, my health system. But, you know, we learn from that. We and we learn sometimes, uh, you know, patience is important. But uh, I'm grateful that I was part of an, an organization 
that allowed me to run with a good idea and supported it. And when it didn't work out, it wasn't uh, a career limiting move. Um, so I'd say, you know, be courageous. I think, you know, I think our ability to learn and adapt quickly is important, uh, especially throughout a pandemic. I mean, there are hidden pearls all over the place that, uh, you know, we're uncovering as part of what we're learning through this pandemic. And, you know, how we apply that learning is really important. And then the other piece is uh, we don't want to be making the same mistake over and over. So it's just, you know, learning, applying and improving. It's kind of like your own personal um, PDCA cycle in your head. So we talk a lot on this podcast about knowing your why. It's, we think it's really important. So is there a recent story or anything that you want to tell us about that has really reinforced your purpose in this work or reinforced your why? Yeah, I, I would, I'll give you two, two examples. And I mean, there are two different places in time. Uh, so I had the opportunity to turn around a small hospital and I went in there really unprepared, probably had a boss that said, Hey, you know, we've got this this hospital, I think that you can do it, you can knock yourself out. Um, so off I went. Um, and, you know, this was a hospital was losing a significant amount of money. And it's a hospital that had lost community confidence. And the most important thing I did for that hospital was to help people believe that they could do better and different than what they were doing. And sometimes we get caught in a rut. And sometimes it's easy to believe that that's the best we can be. So, you know, part of my experience that reinforced the why was just what I witnessed when a committed group of people uh, decided that they could be better. And, you know, they turned that hospital around and we ended up building a new uh, hospital in that community. So it was just, you know, just just it was incredible and, and humbling to watch the community get behind their hospital when the hospital believed that they could be different, better, and offer really good health and, and good care. So that was earlier in my career. Um, most recently, I, I um, went through the uh, you know illness of a parent. So my mother passed away in um, October of last year, and I just witnessed the amazing care and compassion that was shown to her, you know, throughout her illness. And, uh, you know, we ended up in, in hospice care and, um, it was beautiful to watch those folks, um, just spend so much time and energy making sure that my mother was taken care of and had everything she needed. But I mean, their just compassion shown to our family you know, just to check on us to make sure that the plan that we have laid out is actually happening. It just, uh, I mean, it made me proud to be part of an industry, even in, in a, a tough time for me. And, uh, you know, I'm usually not on the receiving end. I'm usually helping to orchestrate uh, what happens to others. It just, uh, it made me proud to be part of an industry that, uh, that showed such great compassion to a patient in a you know part of her care plan that was leading to you know her departure and then um just the immense care they showed us i mean i still get calls from them asking me how we're doing um which is just like just amazing so um 
you know, another just reinforcing moment on just what a what a remarkable field this is. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story. I think that that nails a lot of um what you know what the ethos is of this podcast. And you know, it's the it's the healthcare experience, patient experience. And I re- we really I, I could speak on behalf of the listeners right now. We really appreciate you you sharing that with us. Do you have any other final thoughts or anything you think would be valuable to leave our audience with before we wrap it up here? I mean, I, I would just say that uh I mean, if, if, if folks in the audience are thinking about, uh, you know, a career choice or thinking about, you know, what's my purpose? Um, I mean, I can't think of a, a better career choice than going into healthcare. And, and I mean, it's, um, it's complex. There's many moving parts. The financing of healthcare, uh, you know, no one could design something as silly and as crazy as what we deal with. Um, and, and, uh, but it is what we have. Um, but again, I, I think, I think the feeling that you get when you truly know that you're, you're helping somebody and you're changing people's lives, you know, and even as an administrator, I mean, I don't have the privilege of directing or directly caring for somebody, but I can tell you when I made rounds and staff, um, I talked to staff and talked about what we were doing together. It just, you know, really, I think, uh, you know, reinforces why it's such a great place. I think the other piece is that, you know, people who go into healthcare are just, are just like honorable and amazing people, you know, for any group uh, or industry that will, would have done what we've done for the past two and a half years and that would given, you know, would, would given their all. And, you know, we, you know, we've witnessed people, you know, staff crying in the hall and we've witnessed staff being a surrogate family for patients that were dying and because of the conditions of the pandemic couldn't be there. So staff sat with those patients and held their hands and, and talked to them. So we're just, I, I, I get to be in a business that's in the presence of heroes every day. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Steve Lawler. He has joined us for today's episode. He's the president and CEO of the North Carolina Healthcare Association, and we thank him for his time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Solutions Insider, brought to you by NCHA Strategic Partners and co-produced by Healthcare Experience Foundation. If you want to learn more about our solutions, please visit ncha.org slash strategic dash partners.